Thank you so much, worship team. Yes, uh, please take a seat. And isn't it an amazing truth to think about that this amazing God, uh, we can come confidently this morning into his presence because of Jesus, because of all that Jesus has done and accomplished. We can come confidently and call him our Abba Father. Uh, so the one who is completely other and transcendent and holy in perfection, because of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, we have the, 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 the privilege, again, of coming into his presence and worshiping together in this way. So thank you, worship team, for leading us in that way. And what a privilege uh, to be, again, back with the James North family um, and sharing. And I think, thank Pastor Duane for giving me the opportunity to open God's word uh, to you. In just a moment, we'll be directing our attention to Philippians chapter 4. That'll be our text this morning. But I forgot to mention, Duane, I am married for 34 years and have two grown children and four grandchildren. That's the most awesome thing in the world. Being a grandparent, you get all the privilege and none of the responsibility, and it's just awesome. I tell people, uh, grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your teenagers. So, yeah, so it's just so you know. So, um, but no, I just love uh, being a grandparent, and it's an awesome journey, and thankful to the Lord for our family and all that God's doing there. So, I'm sure you'd agree with me. Life is a beautiful gift from God, isn't it? It really is. Do something with me, would you? I know it's harder to do with these masks on, but would you take a deep breath in and then let it out? <sighs> gift from God. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one, all gifts from God. Acts 17 says that life, breath, and everything else is a gift from God. There is nothing that you and I enjoy that is not from his grace. From beginning to end. It is all of his, my ability to be here this morning to preach is all of his grace. Any capacity, mentally or otherwise, is all of his grace. It's an amazing thing when you think and you can fill your heart with gratitude as you think about all the many ways that God expresses his kindness and his grace to us. Just in the air that I'm breathing. It's an amazing thing. And yet, as we have learned in the last two years, pretty much almost to the day, actually. I don't know if you knew that, that the 13th of March was an important date two years ago when the lockdown started. And it really became aware, right? Two years of this, and we've sensed, haven't we, our frailty? This beautiful gift is easily broken. <laughs> and then now, on top of that, we're coming out of COVID, and then war starts in the Ukraine, right? Two and a half million refugees now coming out of Ukraine. It's unbelievable to fathom, right? Like, I don't know about you, but you can, you can think about all these things and you can feel overwhelmed, you can feel vulnerable. I think we've all felt to some degree how small we are. Realizing how not in control human beings are, right? We think we're in control, but a little microscopic virus has taken the world down. We can't even see it with our eyes. Isn't that incredible? You know, the powerful temptation 
in this kind of instability and insecurity of the world is to be gripped by fear and by anxiety. And lots of people have been, I think to some degree, all of us have felt that vulnerability. Fear manifests itself, I've found, in different ways under COVID. For some people, it's the, the fear of the disease and of COVID and the locking down. There are some people still haven't even hardly come out of their homes yet, believe it or not. And then there's other people fearing other things. So some people are immobilized in fear. Other people try to control everything in fear. Because <laughs> I'm going to insulate myself from any kind of vulnerability by taking control. I'm going to fight back. There's lots of different ways that we have been expressing our fear. But God wants us to find our refuge in Him. And our peace in Him. Think about what Jesus, you remember the famous words of Jesus when he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And then he said this, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, he said. And then a couple of chapters later in John, Jesus said, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. There's hope. Hope for peace. Jesus gives us what nothing in this world can give us. He gives us peace with God, first of all, most importantly. He gives us the opportunity of peace with one another and even peace within ourselves. Jesus gives us, he says, what the world cannot give us. Our victorious Savior and Lord. Through him we can enjoy a deep, lasting, eternal peace from God. Even in the most difficult circumstances of life. But here's the thing. I don't automatically experience that as a Christian. In fact, the Bible says first you need to understand it. Then you need to live in it. And then you need to share it with others. There's a sense in which I like to think of it in this way. See it, savor it, drink it in, and then share it with others. See it, savor it, share it, if you will. How do we do that? How do we, how do we do that? I think the passage that we're about to read and study tells us how we do that. How we take hold of the peace of God that is only ours in his Son. Jesus Christ. So I'm going to invite you to please stand with me, and I'm going to be reading from, please stand if you would, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV from Philippians chapter 4, and you can follow along uh, from your Bibles or on the screen. I'm going to be reading verses 4 through 9. Apostle Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence or if there is anything worthy of praise... Think about these things, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Father, 
thank you so much for your truth. And thank you for your Holy Spirit who is our teacher today. And we pray that you would just help us to open up our lives to you, to what you want to say to each one of us. Start with me, Lord. Have the freedom you deserve to have. And we pray that we might truly see, understand, savor, drink in this peace that only Jesus gives, and then share it with one another, pointing people to your amazing love and goodness in your son. And we pray all of this now in his name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So every passage of uh, scripture has a context, and this one does as well. And the Apostle Paul is coming to the conclusion of his letter to the Philippian believers, and he's giving them a series of practical commands on helping them to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. And these believers were actually experiencing some deep trials, some difficult circumstances. Uh, they were experiencing persecution. We know that from the book of Philippians. They were experiencing financial hardship. We know that from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We know they were experiencing fractured relationships. They were struggling with unity in their midst. We know that from the book from chapter 4 actually uh, as well. And on top of all of this, the apostle Paul, their spiritual father, was in prison. And they were feeling very much, if you can, out of control, overwhelmed from the circumstances of life. And with a pastor's heart, Paul tells them how they can enter into the peace of God, how they can deal with all the stress of life and, and let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts, even on this roller coaster ride this side of heaven. And he gives four different commands. And we're going to be looking at these four different commands. Just to create a visual for you, for those who are visual people, give you uh, the four commands we're going to do this. We're going to look up in faith. We're going to reach out in love. Then we're going to lift up in prayer. And then we're going to drink in the word of God. So you'll see these four commands. Let's start with the first one. Paul says, keep looking up in faith. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And basically, he says, focus on God rather than on your circumstances. The key to life is not where you are, but who you are in Jesus Christ. It isn't what happens primarily to us, but how we respond to it. And he says, the only way you and I can be truly contented in our lives is when we focus on the Lord, not on everything else. Now, the Lord doesn't change. Everything else does change. And that's one of the reasons why he says rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because Jesus is stable. He's utterly secure. The circumstances, as we have said, of this life are not secure. That's like a roller coaster ride. Some people come in here, right, and they're on the mountaintop. Some are in the valley. It's like, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly of living this side of heaven. Some of you are coming out of troubles. Some of you going into troubles. Life has, it's such a roller coaster ride, is it not? And so we can't put our eyes on that. If we do, one minute we're up, one minute we're down. And he says, don't rejoice in your circumstances, but rejoice in something that's utterly stable, that never changes Jesus Christ. Friends, can I just say to you, even the best gifts that God gives us are beautiful but broken. Only Jesus, which is actually the gift of God himself, not just another gift. Only Jesus is beautiful and unbroken. 
The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Rock solid. And so Paul is saying here, choose a faith perspective that understands that your confidence is not in the fragile, fleeting, and fractured reality of this life, but in what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do. Don't put your focus on all things COVID. Only put your eyes on Jesus. That's the only place you're going to find a rock-solid peace in your life. Here's the thing that God says. He says, he won't waste anything in my life, but he'll use it all to give me my greatest good of being more like Jesus. Remember, that's Romans 8, 20. Not not that all things are good, but that he causes, for those who love God, he causes all things to work together for good. What's that good? And in the context of Romans 8, 28, it's to be shaped into the likeness of Jesus. That's forever. That's solid stuff. You know, most people in the West are trying, are they not, to bring peace to their lives by creating just the right set of circumstances. If I can only get here, that better job, if I can only do this, if I can only get that, if my children would only live this way, if this, that, and the other thing, and it'll never happen. Because it doesn't take long to see how little we control, how many things are beyond our puny little capacities, what we know, what we control. If circumstances are my measurement, friends, I'll never experience joy and peace in any lasting, meaningful way. But God in Christ gives us a way to have a stable peace, a stable contentment in a very unstable world. You know, just a few verses from this text, Paul will mention some famous verses that you probably know well, especially verse 13 of this chapter. Verse 12, Paul says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that verse 13 is a a verse many Christians love to quote. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Unfortunately, sometimes it's taken out of context. And sometimes what people say is, hey, what do you want? What do you dream for? What's your vision? I can do all things through Christ. So if I want that better job, I just need to pray. And through the strength of Jesus Christ, I'll get that circumstance. It'll happen. It'll it'll manifest itself. Problem is, in the context of verse 12, that's actually the opposite of what Paul means. Because Paul says, I know what it is to be low, and I know what it is to, to be on top. I know what it is, if you will, to have poverty, and I know what it is to be rich. I know the roller coaster ride of life, and I've been down in the dumps on the roller coaster, and I've been up at the top on the roller coaster. I've had great times, and I've had difficult times. And here's what I've learned, that when I can't change my circumstances, by God's grace and the strength of Christ, I can always change my response to what I can't change. Isn't that cool? 
This is why he's saying you can have contentment. You can have a steady, peace, joy, contentment. How do you do that? Through living in intimacy with Jesus Christ, having his peace in you so that when this world out here is going crazy, there's a stability, a strength, a security. I can't lose with Jesus. Whether I live or die, Paul says in Philippians 1, whether, whether I'm alive and, and, and whatever's happening, I, I win in Jesus. And if I die, I gain in Jesus. I can't lose. I'm a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Great news. Do you see it, friends? That's why he can say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. God can make everything a servant to lead us to become more like Jesus. So every circumstance becomes an opportunity for joy and for peace. There's a second way to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and lives. Notice it. Paul says, not only look up in faith, but I'm going to call it reach out in love. He says there, keep reaching out in love. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. Now the way essentially Paul's saying here to, to focus on joy and peace is not by focusing on it, but by focusing on doing God's will, especially I would argue in this verse, loving others. Why do I say that? Well, some people think of the word um, reasonableness or gentleness or graciousness as Paul's just kind of saying, hey, be kind. Be a kind Christian. But I think it's stronger than that. And the New American Standard Bible, I think, captures the sense of what Paul's getting to here when it translates this verse, let your forbearing spirit be known to all people. In other words, Paul isn't just talking about gentleness or kindness or humility. He's talking about doing these things in the midst of a hostile world. A harsh world. In other words, when you're getting beat up by a harsh world, don't put your priority on your rights, choosing to react in retaliation when others hurt you, but rather commit yourself to revealing God's gentle and forgiving love to an often self-centered and angry world. In other words, don't treat others as they deserve, but treat others as God has treated you in Jesus Christ. Show the world a completely different, subversive kind of power. Love in the face of harshness and hurt. Would you not agree with me that one of the most frequent causes of stress and anxiety in our lives comes from being wrongly treated by those around us? Pretty much everyone in this room, if I asked you to, you could think of a visual, of a name of a person who has hurt you. And it creates anxiety and stress as you think about it. And the temptation for all of us, friends, is to feed that cycle of hurt and selfishness by reacting in the same exact way we have been treated. And all that does is what? Fuel the anger and the harshness and the hatred 
And God calls us to do the opposite. And he says, we can't change the world, but you can change your response to the world. And that's your greatest opportunity for impact on the world. When people see God's peace operating in you, such that you become a peacemaker rather than an escalator, rather than pouring fuel on the fire, you pour water on the fire. And then they know there's something different about you. It isn't you. It isn't natural. It's supernatural. This is your greatest opportunity to point away from yourself to God, to Jesus, and to the hope that Jesus is. Because this is unnatural. This is not what our world does. It retaliates. It reacts. When you get hurt, I hit you back. But God didn't treat us the way we deserved, right? When we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, God sent his son to die for us. When we were in rebellion, Against him, he poured out his sacrificial love for us and didn't treat us as we deserve. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I don't think Paul is saying, be doormats here. Instead, no, not at all. He's saying to have the courage of faith to believe that God, not humans, have the final word. Notice the text. He says, let your forbearing spirit be known to all people. Let your gentleness be known to all. For the Lord is at hand. The Lord is always in the room. And Jesus is coming back. And don't worry, you don't have to seek your own vindication. You don't have to be judge and jury. Because Jesus is coming again. He's going to make all the wrongs right. And he's going to reward the rights. He's going to have the final assessment. The final word. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to take it for yourself. You can let Jesus take care of it. You can be like Jesus, who Peter says entrusted himself to the Heavenly Father and he didn't hit back. You see it? And this is shocking to a crazy world in which we're often hitting back. And I can travel light now with Jesus and be gentle with others, even the face of their harshness. Can I encourage you to think of someone right now that you find is hard to love in your life? Someone who's hurt you. And pray, God, will you help me not to love them as they deserve, but to love them as you have loved me in your son? Friends, we can be God's tool of peace, bringing this, his light of love into the darkness of hatred. We can defeat evil by good. This is, this is Jesus came as a suffering servant. Yes, he's coming again as reigning king. But in the meantime, he's long suffering, waiting for as many to, to submit and, and yield and bow their knee to him. And his love, he gave his life for every human being. So that they might know him as Savior and Lord, not simply as judge. Paul gives a third challenge that will help us access God's peace and joy. So he says, essentially, look up in faith. He says, reach out in love. And now he's going to say, keep lifting up in prayer. Lifting up in prayer. He, he says, we need to lift up our burdens to a God who's more than able to handle what we cannot. Notice verse 6. Don't be anxious. 
But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so he says, in light of who God is, don't be anxious about the past, the present, or the future. And I'm going to suggest to you here, he's not just saying, don't be anxious. He's actually giving us how we do not be anxious. He's saying the best way to stop that anxiety is to pray. To look to God. Friends, when we worry, when we, we, we literally betray our lack of confidence in God's protection and provision in our lives. The discipline of prayer is acknowledging, God, I need you in every moment and I'm totally dependent on you for everything. You know, in our world, people try different things to cope with stress. They try distractions and they try addictive substances and they try different patterns of behavior, obsessive behaviors, try to numb ourselves to the pain. And we've all been there, right? Whether it's food or something else, taking even a good gift from God, sex, and turn it into a a very destructive thing because we're trying to numb ourselves to the brokenness in the beauty. And God says, learn the healthy way to deal with living in a beautiful but broken world. It isn't through turning to those things and making them into idols. He says, there's no way you're going to find true peace and joy in a pill or in a bottle or in lust or in abusing people or in consuming stuff or amusing yourself to death or even in religious ritual. You're not going to find it. The only way you're going to be able to handle the overwhelming aspects of this fallen world by getting really honest about it, grieving it, and then in that grieving place, turning to the only one that can give you the peace that you need, letting God be God of it in prayer. God, this thing's bigger than me, and it's overwhelming, and I need you, God. I need you. I need your grace. I need your peace in this brokenness. And so as we release the cares of this life to a God who loves us, evidenced by the gift of his ultimate gift of his son, we acknowledge we have no right to a particular mix of circumstances. We get that. We understand the only thing God really owes me, friends, is his justice. He only owes me his justice and instead he gives me life, breath, everything else. And on top of that, he gives me Jesus. He gives me himself, the gift of himself forever and ever and ever. I get to know God, not just have the breath to live this temporary life, but eternal life with God through his son. Do you see it? He's so good. He's so amazing. And he's big enough and wise enough and powerful enough to know what it is we can and cannot handle. Here's the thing that I've discovered. God always answers the humble prayer of faith. The humble prayer of faith he always answers. But he doesn't always answer in the way that we would want him to. Sometimes he reveals his glory by changing our circumstances. I believe that God is a miracle working God and he can change earthly circumstances. Do you believe that? I hope you do. He can do that. He's more than able to do that. He's the God who parted the Red Sea. He's the God who raised Lazarus from, from death to life. Yes, he is that 
impossible working God in circumstances. So when you pray and ask for God to change a circumstance, sometimes he does. Here's what I've also noticed. Sometimes he chooses not to change that circumstance and instead to do what? To change me. To deal with the circumstance. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the ups and the downs and the all arounds. Yes, he reveals his glory by changing me, making me more like Jesus. Now, here's the real question. If he's revealing his glory by changing the circumstance or changing me to handle the circumstance, which is the greater manifestation of his glory? That's a great question, isn't it? I would argue it's not the first, it's the second. Because any miracle that God gives me this side of heaven, friends, is but a temporary reprieve from a broken world. That's all it is. So think about it with me. Stay with me. Lazarus dies and he's raised to dead, from the dead to life. But if Jesus doesn't come back in his lifetime, what happens? He has to die again. <laughs> The guy who experienced resurrection, Lazarus, has to die again. But here's the thing. If God changes me to make me more like Jesus, instead of changing the circumstance, that's forever. I'm getting closer to heaven. That's eternal. This actually is the more important thing. You can always guarantee that God won't waste anything. If you trust him and love him, he'll take even this temporary circumstance that he doesn't change in your favor. He'll use it to shape the likeness of Jesus in your life. And from that, you'll have a deeper taste of his peace, of his joy, of his contentment that only he can give. Do you see it, friends? And that is the promise. Verse 7 says, the promise isn't the disappearance of the struggle, but the reality of God's presence and peace in it that far surpasses anything this world can give you. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of something right now that's in your life that's weighing you down. You got anything in your life that's kind of like a backpack full of rocks? A burden that you're carrying? I don't know what it is might be your marriage. It might be your job. It might be your health. It might be school. It might be a sin in your life that you're wrestling with. I don't know what it is. But what I'm asking you, I'm encouraging you to do, based on this passage of Scripture, can you do a visual with me? Can you take that burden off, that, that weight that you're carrying, and can you put it in a garbage bag, and can you tie it up, and then can you lift it up to God? Take that, that which is so much bigger than you and overwhelming you and lift it up to God, your garbage to God, and let him give you a beautiful gift of his peace wrapped. You unwrap it. It's his peace that passes all human understanding. Thank you, God. Now, I wish it were a one-time event for me, but a lot of times I, I, I take it back. God, give me the garbage back. I want to cuddle that thing. I have a love-hate relationship with that. And so we gotta, it's a process of God, let, help me to keep giving that to you and taking your peace so that I can really drink deeply of the rest and peace that only you can give.
You see it, friends? Something you can identify with genuine prayer is really a supernatural antibody that kills off the disease of fear and worry. Prayer, prayer, where I let God be God of that and I take his peace that passes human understanding. One final way to deal with the vulnerability, the insecurity of this life. He says, keep drinking in the word. Do you see it there in verses 8 and 9? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence or if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The point is that we have to focus ourselves on the will of God, on his precepts, his promises, his principles from his word. Replace the mental intake diet of pop and junk food of the culture with the milk and the meat of God's truth. Maybe you've been like me where a couple, few times, few times, probably many times during COVID, I got lost in the hole of social media or newscasts. And I came out and I was just so edified. Was that your experience? Not mine. Come out with frustration, angst, fear, (laughs) even depression, hopelessness, right? You you turn on. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying turn off the news. I'm not saying not go on social media. But what I am saying is if you get lost in that hole and that's what you're feeding your soul on and that's your steady diet and God's word is not your, your primary voice shaping your life, I guarantee you won't have peace. He says the only way you're going to get peace is if you really drink deeply of God's voice and let that shape your soul from the inside out, shape your life. Focus on, I think Paul is trying to get us to focus on, not to give us an exhaustive list here. Uh, The last two phrases in verse 8, I think, point out what Paul is really getting to. Whatever is of moral, spiritual excellence, whatever is pleasing to God, these are the things we should feed our mind on, God's truth. These things could just as easily, I would suggest you, be a description of Jesus Christ. Kind of like the fruit of the Spirit. You remember where the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, a great description. The fruit of the Spirit is a description of Jesus and his character. So here, the description is really a description of Jesus. What is true and honorable and just and pure. and love. Who's more than that? Who's, who, who is that more than Jesus? In other words, he's saying... Fixate on the beauty and the treasure of Jesus revealed through the word of God. Get your eyes on him. And then he says, if you do that, it'll change your life and you will have his peace. The God of peace will be with you. Friends, if we feed upon and live out the reality of God's truth, we will possess a deep-seated rest and peace from God. Here's what I've uh, 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 discerned. Many people assume that anxiety is the result of too much thinking. But in reality, it is the result of too little thinking in the right direction. The world's concept of meditation is empty your mind and empty your soul. Become one with the universe, right? The Bible's vision 
of meditation is actually fill your mind, fill your heart with God, with His voice, with His word, with His truth. And then let that shape you. Let it act and work and shape you from the inside out. Friends, if we are focused on God and who He is and what He has revealed about Himself, ultimately manifested in His Son, Jesus Christ, we will have the God of peace with us. I think we've all felt overwhelmed by what's going on in the world. Have you not? Unless you've been able to insulate yourself and climb under a rock under COVID and all that's going on, you, you, we've all... We don't know what the future holds. We're, we're, we're all feeling this incredible vulnerability and frailty. And some of you come into this place today with personal circumstances that are just overwhelming your life. And you're seeing, saying, Pastor Rick, you have no idea what I'm dealing with. But God does. And I don't know what the future holds. But I know the one who holds the future in his hands. And if I anchor there, I'm going to be okay. And if you anchor there, you're going to be okay. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus alone and in God alone, right? God wants us to deal with this common human experience in a very different way than the world copes. God wants us not to lash back, not to numb ourselves, but to discover his forever peace and joy in his son that can't ultimately be touched by anything. Nothing will separate me from the love of God in Jesus Christ. So we experience this peace by looking up in faith, reaching out in love, lifting up in prayer, and drinking in the word. We see, we savor, and we share the presence and the power of the living Christ with others. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the ultimate gift of yourself and your son. We acknowledge that every beautiful gift, life, breath, and everything else in this world that you've given us is touched by brokenness, by the fall. Only Jesus is beautiful and unbroken. And so I pray for anybody who is here today who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today that might be the turning point for them. That they might be able to say with confidence, I don't understand it all, but right now I surrender my heart, my life in faith to Jesus who died for me and rose again to make me a victor, conqueror in this life and in the next. And I trust in him fully. And I begin a forever relationship with you, God. And for those of us here who are your children, I pray that you would help us to not only see, but to live in that peace that Jesus alone can give. Help us, oh God, to rejoice in him, to reach out with his love to others, to lift ourselves up in prayer to you, the God who can handle all this brokenness. And then, Lord, to drink in your truth, your word, so that we might experience your peace. 
Help us, we pray. Thank you that you are a refuge and strength. You are an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we do not need to fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, we can be still and know that you are God of it all. We pray this now in your son's beautiful name. Amen.